this is Stephen Razor. As you know, I hate human beings. And you are listening to WithoutYourHead.com. live on facebook on the facebook group and we're live here with each other no one's record no one's like a a hologram that's been recorded as far as i know no it's all real couldn't afford it couldn't afford a hologram next time next time after we get the big bucks oh man i would love a hologram that would be fantastic (laughs) i don't have to do my own podcasts and shows anymore i just have my hologram yeah that's the life that's the future So we're here so at the true. station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil. I'm joined by Josh Stifter. I always want to say Stifler, but Stifter. He's it's a writer a and director of Greywood's Plot. He's also in Greywood's Plot. And then we have Greywood himself, Daniel Degnan. Degnan, Hello. how are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, I've you? never talked to you before. Yeah, I'm new. <laughs> I'm new to the party. When I met Josh at uh, Stuff at South Texas Underground Film Festival, I actually thought mm-hmm. I saw you walking around. <laughs> there was a guy there that looked like Daniel. Yeah. yeah. I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Really? I wouldn't think you would. You don't. I, like I, I mean, I guess it depends on the location where you're at. Mm-hmm. Around here, like in the in the metro area, there's a lot of tall, lanky, bearded men with glasses. But uh, any yeah. hipster area, there's right, like a right. look like that. But yeah. Um, yeah, there was a guy that was walking around that that someone else said that too. They were like, hey, your buddy's here too from the movie that I saw. And I'm like, no, he's... Unless he's surprising me in <laughs> yeah. Corpus Christi for some reason. That'd be amazing. I flew all the way down to Texas, did not talk to you intentionally. just to... <laughs> And didn't go to the movie. <laughs> and didn't right. go to the movie, no. <laughs> there was other lineups. I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, what was playing that weekend? I was trying to, I was going to say something silly, but I'm sure there was some, some dumb movies that were playing that weekend. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. There's not. A, I love going to film festivals and seeing all the movies, but there's always the dumb ones. Always yes, the dumb yes, ones. Yes, yes. <laughs> So you guys don't live near each other? We do. We, we do. live oh, like 20, 30 minutes away. Yeah, 20 minutes from each other. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the burbs and Dan is like right downtown. Uh, yeah. For some reason, yeah. I thought you were in Texas, but I know that's not true because we both flew out together uh, on the same airplane. <laughs> yeah, not right. Same airplane, but the same, yeah. No, my doppelganger's in Texas. I live here. It's confusing. Right. It's weird. Right. Most people think I live in Texas. It's probably because of... South by Southwest. I'm always that talking about South by Southwest. I go to Austin so often, Corpus Christi, and I'm always talking about it, yeah. but nope. Yeah, Texas has been really good to us, even though we... Weirdly bef- good to before us. Before our first film, we had no connection to Texas at all. Uh-huh. Neither of us had never been to Texas. Yeah. And then, as far as I know. But yeah. I had been there one time. I had gone for yes. uh, a wedding. You had I a got, wedding. went to Austin for a wedding, but that was the only time I'd ever been there. <laughs> and then... And my only like memory, like besides, you know, the wedding was great, whatever. But 
thought my only thing I had was attached to in Texas was the fact that Jenny got got us kicked out of a bar. And right. so that was always the running story was how Jenny got us kicked out of a bar. And um, then, yeah, then I started going back to Austin with Rebel Without a Crew. And I like, I've been there 10 times a year since then. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how did you two start to work together? Did you guys know each other before you started making movies? Craigslist. All right. <laughs> no, it's not Craigslist. But we, we met in kindergarten, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's been going on since we were like five years old. <laughs> yeah, we met. Daniel and I met in kindergarten. Actually, we met in kindergarten the same year Robert Rodriguez was filming El Mariachi. Oh, wow. So at yeah. the same time that he was just wrapping production on the movie and in the editing bay, Daniel and I were meeting. Two boys met. <laughs> Two boys met. <laughs> it was all meant to be. And, and the rest 20, was history. <laughs> 25 years later, he helped us make our first movie. But yeah, um, yeah that, I mean, Daniel and I started making, like, we would hang out. I almost said we were, we started making love. We started, Daniel and I started. <laughs> that came later. Okay. Right, yeah, right. Um, Daniel and Here's I started as little kids borrowing our parents' video cameras and making movies. Like, when we were wee little boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like our our like, story isn't like too unfamiliar. We were just like right at that cusp in the '90s where our parents had like affordable video cameras, and that was mm-hmm. like a go-to. Because like our parents owned video cameras, but then they didn't know what the hell to do with them. You know, it was that it was like the hip new technology, but right. they didn't have anything to do. So, <laughs> so yeah. like, this yeah, just I, seems like we should buy this because yeah, right. exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, and then it's like, oh, okay, we got the first day of school now what and then you know well there so was also we, this like instant gratification for them where they'd buy the thing and then watch it they'd be like oh we can get all these family memories but then right. when you ever watch it again like that <laughs> no. that like needing to wait 10 years before it actually matters right. like, you don't want to watch like, it the next week remember yeah, right. remember last tuesday when we uh... well and my dad just asked me if i would convert all the old tapes to digital i'm like yeah of course and then, like, a week later, he gets back to me. He's like, yeah, I couldn't find the tapes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I have, like, two boxes well, filled with them. And I have no way to convert them because they're all weird, like, different types of tapes. Every single company had a different tape. So it's like, oh, yeah. all right, I guess I could find that footage of, you know, us at Grandma's Cabin with d- Dad shakily trying to film something and Mom <laughs> yelling in the background for us to get our clothes on. You know, like, it's never a good video either. Or it's like yeah. a... a kids play like our play who wants to sit down and watch a whole children's play you don't even want to be there when it's happening nonetheless watch it retroactively oh yeah yeah Yeah. so what kind of stuff were you making together back then was it a horror related or weird or i assume it would be weird yeah yeah man a, a lot of them were just like you go well, I, we, I think, so Keith, who's also in the film, Greywood's Plot, the three of us basically did a lot of filmmaking and we had an alien one, uh, the movie literally. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. It's literally kids playing in a front yard and then a green Martian walks down the cul-de-sac, like <laughs> oh. down the street of the suburbs. And we're like, it's an alien, quick, get the guns. And then one of us runs into the house, grabs some guns, like toy guns and just starts destroying this alien and then we just start killing this alien and that's the and then the next 15 minutes is like a long fight sequence that is aimless and goes nowhere but it's just us trying to defeat this thing (laughs) there's also a fantastic moment right at the beginning of the movie where keith's mom was filming it and keith had this idea that he was gonna he had crashed his ship 
and he was he was covered oh, yeah. in green paint and he he was eating jelly beans and he he's walking down the road and he starts like puking up jelly beans onto the road uh-huh. but his mom didn't know he was going to be doing this so she's filming us and then all of a sudden you just hear keith what are you doing and then the camera cuts yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. like in in camera cuts so you the whole thing makes the final cut it's like you just see the camera go down and, and yeah yeah. So there's that one, and then we had the we had a murder mystery one um, that resurfaced not too long ago. Uh, yeah, which... there's there's actually clips from the murder mystery one at the end of Greywood's plot. Oh, really? There's like That's a couple pretty, little yeah. there's a couple little clips of that um, when you were it's sort of like flashing back to what we've seen or us and our youth. And then there's and I think there's one at the beginning as well. Um, but that also is I posted I think I think I posted that on YouTube as well like a little clip from it or on Instagram or something just a little piece of it of Daniel and I talking or it was in another video I did it for like a don't blink video which is like the making of the good exorcist at the end of one of those you can see a clip of Daniel and I acting together at eight nine years old yeah probably yeah you josh was the detective trying to solve the murder it was like a a murder at a fancy like a at a mansion like the owner was murdered. I played the, I was a, I was a security guard that was like totally inept because I was an alcoholic, an eight year old alcoholic. (laughs) And Josh was the detective trying to solve the mystery. And Uh yeah. And Daniel's idea of an alcoholic at eight was just to constantly have a giant bottle of vodka in his coat. Like, and I'm not, I'm talking like a liter of it in his coat that he's constantly just like, Oh, it's nothing. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, (laughs) I love it. I love it. It was good. It was good. So that's gonna that's gonna be pretty cool though to be making stuff together like at such a young age and then actually have a movie you know have two movies yeah. out that people are actually watching and seeing at festivals and video on demand Amazon and everything yeah yeah it's, it's kind of crazy surreal. because yeah it's weird because like the people here you know I went on Rebel without a crew to make my first feature and then they came along and we just went and did it and like instantly they think oh he picked you because you had something interesting or you had a couple of short films, but you, this was your, like your, the first thing you really did. When in reality, Daniel and I have been making stuff since we were a little, we never stopped in high school. We started our own school paper thing. And yeah. like, cause we wanted to be the presidents of the school paper, like do like co-presidents. And they told us no. So then we were like, ah, screw it. We'll go make our own paper, mm-hmm. which is actually yeah. where the name flush studios comes from. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask where it did come from. I was, I was going to say, okay. yeah, our high school, uh, our high school newspaper was called the flash. And, um, yeah, I came to Josh one day like we, well, we were both just kicking around. Like we should do like our own like parody, like the onion sort of like this parody high school newspaper mm-hmm. and call it the flush. And so we like wrote a bunch of low key. We secretly uh, wrote a bunch of articles and got them printed. And then we put the the newspaper in everyone's locker the night before mm. school the next day. And then, yeah, the rest was kind of history. <laughs> yeah. And to be clear, this is at a, uh, a private high school, like a dorm. We had to like go to this boarding school. So we were at this private boarding high school with like, a hundred students. I don't know, not very many. Yeah. So it wasn't like we had to print that many, but we printed a hundred of them and like handed them out or, yeah. or and, and put them put a, in the locker. Yeah. To put a caveat on that, it wasn't a fancy, like rich private school. It was a religious thing. Not a, oh, not, yeah. a not a financial thing. <laughs> yeah, we, it was, it was, we were sent like, away to, to spend time with the Lord and <laughs> got into all kinds of shenanigans. And, there, uh, and have, we have made you showed a, them uh, the good exorcist. Maybe they wouldn't, no. uh, they, they would, would appreciate it. They would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a I'm lot in sure in the good exorcist there's a lot of uh character 
like the characters are very based on people that we knew growing up growing up oh, in yeah. that uh in that church and yeah, in that school, sure. going to that school yeah so yeah so it, it did well they, they, they uh, yeah set you guys on the right path yeah we we well, took that trauma and we turned it into art you know, well, and we used every opportunity we could in school to make a video. We like if we had to yeah. do a, a, a English assignment, Daniel and I would find a way to turn it into a movie. Or if we had to do, uh, you know, whatever, we had a ton of those little videos. And like, and I would just constantly be running around the dorm with my camera, like pointed in people's faces. I was just that <laughs> yeah. kid. Yeah. And so it just kind of made sense, you know. After we graduated, we just continued doing it, and like maybe. What did we do in shadows like six years ago five years ago something like yeah, that something like that yeah we i just decided like let's try to actually make a short film like a legit we'll write it write a script like really really try to do it and it came out fine like it's nothing amazing it's it is what yeah. it is but it was like a crazy learning experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then from there we were just like well let's keep making these shorts and keep trying stuff yeah. and we just every like couple of months we'd be like let's do one and then the good well, I think that's the, an important thing, though, is to actually make something. Where because I think a lot of people think like, "Hey, I have all these great ideas. Maybe they are great ideas, but if you never actually make them, uh, you're not going to go on to make something else." Oh man, the right. someone like the best advice that I've heard that someone said recently, and I don't remember where it was, but they and it, it, it's exactly what I did was don't make the good thing first. Right, right. We made we made stuff where we were like, "This isn't. We're not going to be that passionate about this one." Like uh-huh. we made this short called Chum. That was one of the reasons I got on Rebel Without a Crew because Robert liked mm-hmm. Chum, and that was like I had rented a camera for work, and because it was the Fourth of July weekend. We rented it on a Friday and I got to keep it Saturday, Sunday, and Monday because of 4th of July, the place wasn't open. So I was just holding on to this camera for the weekend and I'm like, hey, Daniel, you want to go make a movie? So I just put it out on Facebook and a bunch of people showed up and we just went and made this movie. I bought that monster mask online for like 40 bucks or something and we just made it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I think, uh, well, what do you think the benefits of making a short? Because I would assume there's a lot of things there. It's the practice of making something. It's... uh, gets your name out there if you start doing festivals uh i would assume it helps your your uh your confidence that you could actually you know make something bigger so what what do you think the benefits of making the shorts are Uh, for for me personally it's the like the practice is huge but it's mm -hmm. also like the ability to show people that you can do something Mm -hmm. because a lot of times trying to convince people to come onto a project especially a feature is really challenging like it's really hard to convince people that they should put in that kind of time. So doing the shorts is a good way to prove that. And like you said, the film festivals, a feature is so hard right now to get into a festival. (laughs) Like you have to be, you have to basically make a film that's perfect for their festival. You also have to have some in with them because they have a hundred friends now that their movies are going to get in first before yours. So like you have to curate your film specifically for the festivals. If you want to get in, especially when you're doing like low or no budget ones. Um, but the shorts, they, there's huge blocks for them. There's tons of festivals you can get into. So it's a way to get to festivals, meet people and like get something out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we kind of took a hiatus like doing any major filmmaking until we did our feature and we both, <laughs> we both naively were like, Oh man, people are going to be like festivals will be dying for more feature films. Uh, that's not the case at all. No, <laughs> like, they have like every major and, and most minor festivals only have like 
you know, five to 10 slots for features and then it's 30, 40 shorts. And mm -hmm. so we were actually at a crazy disadvantage where we really had to find, you know, places like South Texas underground places that, you know, really wanted to take a chance on a feature that had no actors, had no names, had, you know, a no budget film. Um, so and I think it wasn't really a genre. It was like a weird yeah. genre too, because yeah. it's a comedy movie. The Good Exorcist is a comedy first, right. and then more of a parody of horror. So horror festivals yeah. would watch it and be like, "Hmm, this doesn't have enough blood." And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, "Yeah, we know it does it. That's not the point. Like, we we want to make something a little different, but that's right. they don't want something a little different, and that's okay because their yeah. audience may not. They know what their audience wants more than we do. But we were just naive to the fact that even if you take a risk on something different and weird. In festivals don't necessarily like to take that kind of risk. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the festivals it, I like are show a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily fit into any genre. So it's yeah, kind of right. You know, that's, and I think that's a hard sell for a lot of things. But uh, for like the underground festivals, I think that for me that's appealing. And that's what we got into. The Good Exorcist yeah. got into underground festivals, as did Greywoods. Like Greywoods, the festivals that we were getting into were ones that weren't a lot of horror festivals were like we like we love we love the movie we love the second half the audience isn't going to get this they're not going to come because it's black and white it starts out goofy uh -huh. and like a boy's adventuring in the woods like people are they're not going to understand what this is and but they're like but we love it like don't get us wrong it's like so yeah. the festivals we got into were the ones that were like or you know that didn't end a lot of them didn't end up happening because of covid but yeah. um which is why I'm doing the, the, the online screening because yeah. I want people to see it like with other people, even if it has to be digitally in a community. Yeah, but it's the, a totally different experience. I know obviously that it's best to show at the festivals, but we did a, an online, um, a short film festival on, on the group and the, just the interaction adds so much to the experience. Even it does. There's, there's, it's one thing to like put it on Amazon and let people watch it or whatever. And that's great. I love that with The Good Exorcist that we're getting views and people are like commenting, liking it, you know, coming to me on Twitter and saying how much they enjoyed it. But like, it's not the same as being in the moment with people and having that interaction online, on Twitter, on YouTube as it's happening. That's why Joe Bob is doing so well right now yeah. is like being able to go on Twitter and talk with people while you're mm -hmm. watching it. Oh, it's amazing. So that's kind of the experience I wanted with this. Um, but yeah, the, the, that, it's the same thing for us. We Both of these movies, we didn't want to make something that fell into a specific one genre. My favorite yeah. movies are the ones that kind of teeter back and forth. So yeah. Yeah. And I, think that's, I think that's a benefit to doing short films first as well, is if you do make a name for yourself, you do carve that niche, you do find your voice, and you, you, know, you can build the momentum off of that. I think we were fortunate enough, because Josh and I have such a long history, we knew kind of exactly what this was going to be, mm -hmm. even if people weren't ready for it, <laughs> or didn't understand it, or didn't expect it. So... I think, yeah, doing short films first can help, you know, new voices sort of, you know, find their footing and, and move forward. Um, but yeah, but we- And be honest backwards. with themselves. <laughs> yeah. And be honest with themselves about what they want to do. Like it's, yeah. to be honest, like as crappy as it was not getting into some festivals with The Good Exorcist that we, you know, submitted to, um, you know, also talking to people later, everyone says you only get into like 20 to 30% of the festivals you submit to. And it's like, wow, man, I, I, I hate wasting money when I could be right, putting it right. into another movie, but, <laughs> yeah, right. um, but, uh, going to festivals with a short can teach you like, Oh, I like this kind of horror and it gets into these kind of festivals. So it kind of can build your, mm -hmm. uh, proper mentality of what kind of films you want to make in the future 
Yeah. Uh, you totally. know, which honestly, these two movies, Greywood's Plot and The Good Exorcist, have kind of taught Dan and I, I think that we, well, we do, you know, we'd love to get into festivals and stuff. We also want to really say what we want to say. If that's not going to get into a festival, okay, so be it. We, we want to make yeah. our movies and have our voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for people who, who don't know what Rebel Without a Crew is, can you guys explain what that is and how you got involved? Yeah, Rebel Without a Crew is a reality show that Robert Rodriguez put on where uh, he hired or brought out five filmmakers, myself included, to make uh, a feature film for $7,000 and shot in 14 days, just like El Mariachi. Um, And it was for the 25th anniversary of El Mariachi. So uh, Daniel and I wrote this script, The Good Exorcist, and Robert liked it and picked it up. And we, I submitted, so I actually got another cartoon on the El Rey Network, and that's how I ended up uh talking to them and eventually being able to uh, finding out about the show um and then they asked me when they did the full casting call they asked me to submit an application so i did and they asked if then they asked if i had a script because they liked my application and i told them yes which was a lie i didn't have a script so daniel and i took two weeks and but i asked them i was like i have a script but is there any way i could get a couple weeks to clean it up it's kind of rough and i want to make it okay for the seven thousand dollar budget um and they were like yeah sure take two weeks that's fine and then daniel and i just sat down i was like dude you're either going to be a clown or a priest because i don't want you to, have to change costumes all the time i don't want to have to worry about the consistency of the or like being and he, and he happens to have a priest and a clown costume apparently. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i have both so it was up to josh yeah. uh, have you have you ever seen the movie vulgar yeah yeah so uh, there, this movie vulgar it's about a, a clown that gets raped and i don't know it's insane and but i really like that movie and i'm like dan I, I a clown would be fun like a some story with a clown a clown does something and i thought it'd be fun for daniel to be in clown makeup with the beard and like whatever um and clowns were hot at the time you know like it was all over the internet at that moment yeah. but it, yeah. it instantly daniel was like i have a suit and i don't really want to wear makeup <laughs> i don't know if he actually said that but that was sort of the vibe i got from him was like let's go with the priest thing I'm like yeah we could do a clown but you know we, we could also do the priest thing <laughs> <laughs> and i think we i think that was just more in our wheelhouse it's like i you know i think like we discussed earlier coming from our backgrounds growing up in religion we we knew we had like one thing like sort of our dogma or our whatever like we had one thing to say about religion in some form and i'm like let's just do it now and get it out of our system and if it's great great if it's terrible then it's done and so i think i think that was more so my thought whereas clowns i'm like i don't really have much to say about clowns at the moment but (laughs) you know who's to say (laughs) yeah and i think also you know we we know a lot about you know it's something you demons know, and church and religion yeah, yeah. and all of that stuff. We grew up in a very religious background. So we were like, you know what, if we have, if we have to be like really on our toes and think fast with this movie, the one thing we can think fast or make fun of is that like we can make priest yeah. jokes that aren't just, you know, pedophile jokes, like the easy things we could do something goofier than that. And that's what we tried to do was go goofier with the religious yeah. jokes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that about it because I, I always mention on the podcast that that's like the easiest thing. Anytime you see a priest in a movie, you know, he's going to be a pedophile or, or just yeah. something. Like right. That. It's never yeah. like, just like a good guy, <laughs> you know, generally a good guy. And that's what yeah. we, we wanted. We went the opposite way. We're like, you know what? We want to make this priest like a total 
goofy, fun, lovable character in his mm-hmm. own way. And so we just rolled with that because you just don't see that. And yeah. you don't see it with the clown either, actually. They're always a demon or <laughs> That's true. a drunk or something else. And Santa true, Claus. Yeah. Those are the three things. <laughs> the the, the um, priest outfit, that's your wedding suit, isn't it, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so we had, had that. that. <laughs> we, we had, had that it. going for us, yeah. <laughs> So I had the wedding, I had the suit, and then we just bought like a collared shirt on Amazon for like 10 bucks. Yeah. Oh, I thought maybe you got married in that as well. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I officiated my own wedding. <laughs> right. Yeah. Save money that way. Well, yeah, save part, money that way. <laughs> that, uh, the, the clerical collar or whatever, the little white thing on there, yeah. that's 90% of the time in the, mo- them, in the movie, that's just a piece of paper. <laughs> Daniel just rip up a piece of paper and put it in there. <laughs> Yeah, it works. Well, I would yeah. lose the. I would. It was just a piece of plastic that came with it, and I would lose it after like every. We would finish shooting for the day, and then I'd lose it that next morning, and like fifty percent. Well, okay, like ninety percent of the time, it was in one of my pockets, like yeah. in my pants <laughs> pockets. But it's like we don't have time. We don't have time. Quick, grab a piece of paper. Let's just put a piece of paper in there and go. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and then by lunch, I'd be like, oh, it's in my pocket. Okay. Losing <laughs> it. So, uh, did they stick to the seven thousand dollar budget? Like, oh, yes. they weren't leaning on that or anything. Uh, oh dear no. God, yes, they did. They were like everything was like. Every time I bought something, Daniel went and bought a birthday cake. He bought a birthday cake uh-huh. for oh, right, Brittany yeah. Ortiz, who plays uh, Maria in the movie. And he bought the cake, and they tried to take it out of my budget because <laughs> we were eating it. And I was like, but Daniel went and bought the <laughs> cake for a friend. It's a friend cake. <laughs> right. It's a friendship cake on my card. It was fine. But, yeah. No, they were, they were strict for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, but I mean, in reality, the movie didn't cost $7,000. Like if, if right. I was, I had to rent a camera, I would never rent a camera. I own cameras. I had to rent my lights. I would never, buy, you know, I wouldn't rent those. Mm-hmm. I have tons of lights. So there was like stuff that I had to rent. I had to pay to, uh, to film at the location. Like I had to rent to, to film at the Star Hill Ranch, which is fine, but I would never write a movie at a place that I had to rent. I wrote the movie originally in a bed and breakfast, not a ranch. And the reason I wrote a bed and breakfast is because we have a ton of houses in Minnesota that are beautiful, big houses that could be a bed and breakfast. So, mm-hmm. um, in fact, I, uh, one of the places I actually originally, when we did Rebel Without a Crew, we had to pick out our locations from a box or from a, or from a binder. And one of the uh, locations I p- originally picked instead of the Star Hill Ranch was the house that um, Bonnie used for Grandma's house. So Grandma's house was almost the bed and breakfast for the good exorcist. But then after I decided I was going to go with the ranch, I handed her that house and was like, Oh, you take this one. This is more for you than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We were, I mean, you know, we were fortunate cause we knew, you know, when we told them we had a script and we didn't, we were then able to sort of, um, you know, build things. Okay. We know that we only have $7,000. So let's do one location. Let's do one, uh, you know, priest character, or clown <laughs> and let's just build around our budget and keep it within our means. So yeah, so it was originally our bed and breakfast. And then, yeah, once Josh got to Austin, they didn't have too many places that looked like that. No, <laughs> that and, had and that big feel. Well, and the funny thing is, is the church that you see at the beginning of, of the good exorcist is actually at the star Hill ranch. So yeah. we just had to film around it. So I originally went to the star Hill ranch just to check out the church and when I got there, I'm like, oh, my God, look at all these beautiful houses. And this like, this is like a perfect. I'm rewriting my whole script. I'm going to change it and make it this because it yeah. just makes way more sense. 
So I, I hadn't planned on filming at that. I had two houses picked out. There were two churches. I didn't even go to the second church because I saw that church and I'm like, well, this is the opening shot of the movie. Like we got to see father Gill come out of this church. This is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, we just, we just adapted to it from the beginning. And at once we started filming, we adapted at both points and, yeah, I mean, a lot of the movie is legitimately me just looking around the room and picking out items. Like, I just went, like, I've got a Bible, killer Bible. I've got this red telephone, killer telephone. I've got this, Jenny's got this teddy bear. And yeah. originally, the teddy bear, Jenny had that that cool, pink, old-looking teddy bear. I'm like, oh, my God, I want to make this a demon. And so I wrote it into the script. I fell in love with the scene. And then Jenny's mom is like, oh, I bought that for Jenny when she was one year old because I always wanted a pink, I always wanted a pink teddy bear when I was a, a, a kid. So now I wanted to give it to my, I wanted to give my daughter a, a teddy bear. So I was like, crap. So I hunted on eBay, Amazon. I went to like every store I could and I couldn't find a teddy bear that looked that perfect. So eventually I just went to Jenny. I'm like, hey, can I use this? She's like, yeah, the teddy bear, yeah, it's yours. <laughs> Did yeah. she get it back after? Yeah, it's sitting we right there. It, yeah, the head is sitting right next to me right now. <laughs> I, so, when what? I was in Austin, I actually would drive around with that teddy bear head on my dashboard. Oh, that <laughs> <laughs> well, once the movie's finished, like, uh, did they help like uh, get the movie out there? Like, well, What did they do once the movie's over? I mean, I'm wearing the L. Ray shirt right now. I uh, love L. Ray to death, but I'm going to be straight with you. They didn't do jack shit. <laughs> they just, they put it out on L. Ray Network. Well, the problem was, is the show was um, developed for this network called Go90, which was mm -hmm. a Verizon's like streaming service. And the original plan was it was going to, they were going to stream the, the, the show on Go90. Once a week, a new episode would come out. And then the week after the last episode aired, they were going to screen all of the movies. They were going to mm -hmm. show every one of them. Mm -hmm. And the last week of Revo Without a Crew, Go90 went out of business and the, they never screened our movies. They never went up. They never did anything with them. Yeah. And so then it was this whole like legal debacle where we were just like, well, what do we do now? And we, uh, uh, L. Ray held on to him for a while and kept the rights. And then like, what was it like last October, November, something like that? Yeah, they yeah. they called me and they were like, "Hey, man, we know you want the rights back." I mean, I was a jerk about it. I was a total <laughs> asshole, like constantly like messaging people and being like, "So, what's happening with the rights to the movie?" <laughs> like, and they messaged me and they were like, "Hey, so we're gonna keep the right to air it. We can play it on El Ray whenever we want. We can do, you know, we can do screenings of it if it blows up or whatever. But we're gonna give you the rights back and you could do whatever you want with it." So, and that was in November. So Daniel and I just decided, you know what? We've been sitting on this movie for a year and a half now. Let's just get it out. So we put it out on Amazon Prime. We put it out wherever we could. And then mm -hmm. Lloyd Kaufman saw it, or Lloyd's trauma saw it. Mm -hmm. And they were like, I'd been doing some work on their movies. And they were like, hey, man, we like this. Are you, would you be interested in putting it on trauma now and letting trauma do some stuff with it? Of course. That's yes. a dream come true yeah. to be with trauma. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So now it, it's out on trauma now. And it's got the, the Lloyd Kaufman stamp of approval. Mm -hmm. yeah. what's the feedback been like for for the good exorcist since it's been out there oh it's been awesome like they the, uh, yeah it's it's been uh the highs and the lows like it's been right. both either people love it and they get it and they're just like oh my god i laughed so hard this is so great yeah. like i can't believe you guys did this for like next to nothing it's awesome or the people who are like who the hell gave them $7,000 to make this garbage horror movie? Because <laughs> right. a lot of people think it's a horror movie and they yeah, go yeah, into it right. expecting The Exorcist and then it opens the way it does and they're like, mm. this is cheesy and like B-movie-ish. And 
it's yeah. campy and it's yeah. like and we're like you're welcome yeah exactly <laughs> we're like <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't see what i don't see what the problem is here <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. i would say daniel has a wrestling shirt i'm a big wrestling fan too but <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that's always the the what you want though you want people like on the extremes you want people to love something or, or hate it you don't yeah. want people to just be like eh, whatever yeah. that's exactly what i yeah. always say is like when someone is like the they they, their feedback is like, yeah, it was, I, I you know, I, it was, it was good. That's yeah. like the worst thing you could say to <laughs> right, me. Right. Like that kills me yeah. every time. Someone I, says I knew, that. yeah, I knew we were doing something good when we had fans, but I knew we made it when we had haters, you know? <laughs> yes. It's, okay. it's the truth. Like, you. <laughs> what was that one review that we got on Amazon? What was it like? Oh man. Croc of, the, the, the oh, title yeah, is Croc of, and then the dot, the, dot, dot. <laughs> And then the, and then the subject just says poo. Poo. Or, just or, poo. Yeah, poo. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is yeah. funnier if they just use poo, I think. Yep. Right, right. They went all out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been good, though. We, it's funny. I mean, reviews are, are what they are, but I think the, the craziest thing is we've just had so many personal uh, connections and personal moments with people that have kind of blown our mind. Stuff that you don't think about. Um, like we, one of the first times we, we showed the film locally here mm. was at a lovely little like um, niche theater that a small theater that does this kind of thing. And a guy who lived next door literally saw the marquee out his window and it just said the good exorcist. <laughs> he knew nothing about the film. And he's like, the good exorcist, that sounds like a great movie. So he like put his pants on, walked over. This is his, telling him that story. is his words he's like I'm ma- i was making rice <laughs> and i had to put rice. my pa- and i had to put my pants on and come down <laughs> he just walked over to the theater bought a ticket bought some popcorn and watched the whole thing loved it and like a complete stranger like we knew nothing about this guy he knew nothing about our film and he, he came up to us afterwards and was like that was phenomenal he's and like immediate- I- <laughs> yeah and immediately was like i when are you guys going to release this because i really want to show my friends my friends are going to love this <laughs> and then I, I actually ran into that dude at target like not that long no, ago really. and he <laughs> remembered awesome. me and was like <laughs> dude i freaking can't wait for graywood's plot <laughs> like I, i've seen it on twitter or facebook or wherever and i'm super excited for it uh, I need to get a copy of The Good Exorcist still. I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. <laughs> this guy remembers me from that screening and yeah. dug the movie enough to actually remember. That's huge. Like, Yeah. yeah. Well, and you, awesome. we, we, we had strangers come to the Greywoods premiere here, and then they came up to Josh at a convention. Yeah, like, they, like, they were from like Norway Sweden? or they're in Norway, Norway or Sweden really? yeah. or something. And they There's came up and they Norway, were, yeah. they, we're yeah. really big in Norway. <laughs> I, I had the, I had the dog mask sitting next to me uh, at, at the con and they come up and they're like, we saw your movie. And I was, are we, no, they said, we, uh, we've seen this. And I was like, yeah, you've seen this. <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> they're like, no, we've seen this. We've seen this movie. And I was like, you've seen, this is, this is from my movie. This is from Greywood's Plot. They're like, yes, we've seen Greywood's Plot. We saw it at Twin Cities Film Fest. We loved it. It's so good. We actually came to this con to come see you and get The Good Exorcist. I was like, what? Well, that's awesome. So like, that's insanity. So bizarre. <laughs> so it's so, like stuff like that. You're like, okay, we're doing something. I mean, it's tapping into to something, yeah. which yeah. is rad. And Greywoods has been even better. Like it's, yeah. I've sent it out to some people. When COVID hit, I was like, hey man, if anyone wants to see it, I'll send you a screener. Like I'm not, I, I have a job. I make these movies for me. I don't need to make a ton of money off of them. If we make enough to make the next one, that's like the dream is that we can just continually fund these things. Yeah. Um, you see you know, my and- room. I, I'm not doing this for the money. If you can. <laughs> 
Well, I'm remodeling poster on the wall. I'm remodeling we need my money kitchen, for like so. beard oil. <laughs> right, that's it. <laughs> this is the money maker here. As long as this is shiny and bright, then we're good. Right. Um, on to the next one. So uh, say, May thirty first, your beard is, oh, beard is, is looking. Sweet. It's looking wonderfully long, <laughs> looking Dan. Like good. especially I long. I know. I guess maybe that's partly because I've been staring at Doug Graywoods, which was like you trimming down the beard, like to yeah, a yeah. slightly it's uncomfortably the, small level. Yeah. My character work is all just beard length and <laughs> it, shapes. It's, it's hair and beards. Like it's that's what you do. Man is just like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for, for Doug. He, that's literally what he did though. He showed up. He's like, hey man, I've got some ideas for Lose Doug Graywoods. Hair. I had no idea what his ideas were. His ideas were shave his head, <laughs> and use a like thick northern Minnesotan or northern Michigan accent, yeah, which yeah. is like if you read Doug Graywoods, like if you read him on the page, he he's like a like he has a southern voice, like it doesn't sound like that. And then Daniel just came right. with this like Minnesota. The first time he did it, he's like, "I'm gonna try something. Don't freak out." I was like, "Okay, let's hear it." And then he does the voice, and I'm like, I started laughing, but I'm like, "Dude, we gotta roll with that now. That's too <laughs> good it. not to." <laughs> I, half of half of the reason, or the half of Dan and my like working together the way we work together is like how can we shock each other in any moment and i think right, that plays right. on screen because we're constantly like i'm constantly like okay how can i you know make daniel do something weird here and he's like how can i make josh go what's that what are you doing like <laughs> yeah. daniel one day we were filming that opening sequence of graywood's plot daniel we walked to the cabin and we we're gonna film in the cabin and it was infested with flies it was so hot and so oh, yeah, nasty yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, we're not filming in there today. That's too gross. And Daniel's like, no, come on, let's do it. Let's go film in there. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, well, there's no way we're going to sit in there. He's like, no, just one shot. I'll sit down in the chair and you film me. And we had no idea where we were going to use it in the movie. It didn't really have any like pragmatic purpose to the film necessarily, right. like yeah. as the script was written or as the idea was conceived. But then like when I was cutting the movie, I'm like, oh, this is the opening of the movie. This is so good. <laughs> Just sitting on a couch alone, swarmed by like actual flies. Oh, they were nasty too. <laughs> yeah. They were all over, and the place reeked like this dead bad. fly has a smell, like a nasty yeah. smell. Uh, yeah. So I saw Greywood's plot before I saw The Good Exorcist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and uh, so it's May thirty first. You guys are going to do a live, uh, well not live, but you guys are going to uh, film, screen it on uh, YouTube, I believe. Yeah, so what we're going to yeah. do is we're we're doing a screening um, via YouTube, but it's an unlisted link. So people have to go to, there's at joshstifter.com, you can buy a ticket. And then it's $3 or $2.99. Mm -hmm. And then you buy a ticket and then you, on on the day, I'll send you a the unlisted link and hope that people don't spread it or, you know, send it to your friend. I don't care if you send it to your yeah. friend, but like <laughs> not put it online so everyone can see it. And yeah. what we're going to do is... Um, 12 hours in advance, I'll start running a pre-show. And then at 8, 8 p.m. Uh, Central Time, we'll screen the movie. And then afterwards, Dan and I will do a Q&A where we mm -hmm. answer the questions that people asked on Twitter and in the YouTube Oh, that's chat. really cool. Yeah, so it's going to mm -hmm. be a Q&A with the audience that we can kind of curate the questions that we, you know, think are ones that people will really care about. And, you know, and people can actually be thinking about them as they're watching the difference between mm -hmm. like most film festivals is you watch the movie and then at the end you have to try to come up with a question right right and it's right, like right you can have like 30 questions throughout the movie but you totally forget them as you go so people yeah. can actually be asking them as we go and daniel and i will be monitoring it and deciding which ones we want to do and then we'll just do a cool q a at the end 
That's really cool. So how, I can how, guarantee I won't give you a good answer unless I get the question a little bit beforehand. <laughs> right. So you can think about the answer as well. <laughs> kind of think about those answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, how, like, uh, when did you guys start to do Greywood's plot? Oh, that's like, an interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> so Greywood's plot, we actually started before The Good Exorcist. Oh, we really? filmed, yep. um, for my 31st birthday, like when I turned 30, the only thing on my bucket list, I like I, my whole life, the only thing on my bucket list has been to make a feature film. Like that's all I've ever wanted to do. And then I turned 30 and I was like, oh my God, I'm 30 and I haven't done the one thing I want to do. So I started yeah. writing like a script mint, coming up with this idea and like putting it together. In fact, uh, this week, this coming week, four years ago was the first time I brought up Greywoods to Keith. I had asked him this week when he came over. Uh, I know this because we filmed something the following week, like a test thing. So mm-hmm. um, a test video. Um, but so anyway, I had started um, coming up with this idea. And then for my 31st birthday, I convinced Daniel, Keith, and our buddy Strauss. Well, I didn't convince Strauss. He just showed up. Um, <laughs> Daniel didn't need any convincing. He, no, he tagged <laughs> along with Daniel. Daniel like messaged me as he's like leaving to come. He's like, hey, is it cool if Strauss comes too? I'm like, more the merrier. And the, I, or the coincidental thing being Strauss became basically my assistant director. Like he's my right hand right, yeah. man. He, yeah. I owe he everything to him. <laughs> we, we wouldn't have finished this movie without Strauss. He made the, the costumes he did. Like he made the, the cowl that you see in the movie. Strauss yeah. did that himself. No, yeah. he didn't know how to do it before. He figured it out off YouTube videos and did it. Um, but we started filming that and then we looked at the footage and there was a lot of beautiful footage, but there wasn't a movie in it. Like we didn't have a movie in what we filmed over those six days. There was a cool concept and there was some okay performances, but Mm -hmm. it just was a mess. And so, uh, we kind of like, we, we had gone into the woods with like a, we were doing more of a scriptment approach. We had note cards. We, we, what gray woods is now, there was probably like, 70 60 70 percent of that in the initial iteration or the initial concept and we just were shooting scenes moments trying to find that lightning in a bottle and yeah we we actually came out with a lot of really good like b-roll stuff but the meat and potatoes was a little lacking and it just didn't have it didn't have a feature like length to it in in that iteration and it didn't have the like coherence of what we eventually (laughs) were able to do like there was no like the 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 actual point of the movie like the actual element of friendship and and that stuff sort of evolved from that filming because we we saw what it was becoming like that um scene where Keith and I are sitting on the hay bale talking about our favorite animal one of my favorite scenes which I mentioned to you at the at stuff Oh yeah, and oh, right that on. that was one that Keith and I improved the first time we did it. We just improved yeah. that conversation, and then I liked the conversation, but it was it was clunky. It was like, yeah. you know, like how people talk when they're you know it's not it's not worded properly. It doesn't move at a nice flow. So yeah. I sat down and just wrote that scene based on what we had said, Keith's response, and then honestly, like originally I was supposed or I don't want to probably shouldn't spoil it, but <laughs> whatever the monster that the monster that you see at the end of the movie yeah. was meant to be a spider man, not a, not what it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, when we started talking about the, the friend element and how friendship plays a big part of it, that ended up changing from a spider man to what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just as a movie, I think uh, when you, you get to really like the, the characters, what happens to them or it just makes it that much more powerful and you're, you know, rooting for them to, to do well and, 
it just adds so much more to the movie. Because you, you were saying earlier about some people will watch a beginning and not really, sh- you know, this isn't a horror movie, it's just like a buddy movie. But without that, uh, whatever happens, you know, wouldn't that, would not be the same. Right, and that yeah. was the big thing that we wanted to make sure we did, was we wanted to to really put characters into it. I'm like a huge character movie fan. I love movies mm. with characters, and that's basically all we had. We didn't have, when we first went to do this, we had us. So it was like, okay, let's just put our friendship on screen. Like, the idea of me asking Keith to go in the woods and film a chupacabra is not that crazy from reality. Oh, <laughs> like, right. that, that right. could, could happen. <laughs> yeah. So, like, right. we definitely rolled with what we knew and what, would, what it would be like. And then when we started writing it, when we actually came back after doing The Good Exorcist and we're like, okay, we can make a feature film. And it was like, mm-hmm. like our, one of our last days on filming The Good Exorcist, I turned to Daniel and I was like, dude, we... We got to do it, man. We got to go back yeah. and do Grey Woods. Like yeah. I'm, yeah. it's it's hurting me right now that we didn't finish it. Even though the Good Exorcist wouldn't have happened if we had finished it, right. I felt like I was missing something in that movie because I loved the story so much. I loved the character of Doug Grey Woods. I loved the character of Dom. I, I you know I loved what that movie was going to be. Mm-hmm. So then, um, as soon as I finished the Good Exorcist, like literally the week that I sent it in, I started writing again on Grey Woods plot, and then you know, I kind of went back and forth trying to figure out what I wanted to change and how I wanted to do it. And then I took a week, wrote it, and then we went and started filming like two weeks later, like right away, we just got on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was quick. And we, the thing about that worked for us with the good exorcist is it really taught us, it kind of informed what, who we were as filmmakers and writers, because when we initially did gray woods, in the woods for the 31st birthday. We just assumed, like Josh had mentioned, we were really into characters and character study films and which most independent films are, low budget independent films are. So we assumed, we just had this idea that it was gonna be a a mumble core, make it up as we go sort of thing. And and, um, we needed a script in order to get into The Good Exorcist and to make that happen. So we had to put the words on the page and then we were shocked that everything we were writing ended up on screen. And so we're like, maybe we're not, you know, we, we just weren't as strong of improvisers as we thought we were. So I think Greywoods benefited immensely because we're like, okay, no, we can't just expect, you know, we can't roll the camera and expect the words to come out. We really need to like tap into who we are, what kind of, what the conversations that we're having and then put that on the screen. And so that helped immensely because um, and, and especially with the writer's block, anytime we were stuck, it was like, well, what would we say in real life? <laughs> we're like, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We would just say this. I'm like, perfect. Put it in. <laughs> yeah. And, and with that being said, like we are actually surprisingly good improvisers. And I think the problem right. is, is the fact that sometimes when you think you're, uh, when you try to improvise, when you try to improvise, when it happens, it ha- yeah. we can do it. So when we have a script and we have these words, yeah. you know, the script isn't even that close to the movie, like how we say it, how we do things. Like we improvise right. jokes, we improvise lines like crazy, but at least we have the thing that we need to say that we can yeah. build on. And a lot of times yeah. it's like a lot of the stuff that make, made it into the movie that was improvised was stuff that's just like, us being us because we could be comfortable being us because we didn't have to think about like, okay, how do we keep the story moving? The story was there. The story moves itself. Now yeah. we get to be comfortable in our skin and be us. Yeah. 
Totally. When you mentioned earlier about uh, the Chupacabra, and because uh, my short Umbilicus Desidero played with with uh, with uh, Greywood's plot, and so I just read the description, you know, beforehand. I didn't oh yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, that's cool. We're playing with a Chupacabra movie, you know, <laughs> right. and it's not really a Chupacabra movie. But, but is that hard though to write like a description for the movie because you oh, don't want to give away the movie? <sighs> yeah, and it's the, the and trailer both, both is even movies, harder. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Both movies do not lend themselves to to like taglines, synopsis, trailers. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I think someone has compared our style of filmmaking to like a, to like Christopher Guest. We have a very like sure, Christopher yeah. Guest style of like, in, like the story is important, but the moment is kind of the key in every, in every place you go. And that's kind of how Christopher Guest works. And Christopher mm-hmm. Guest movies are exactly the same way where it's like, how do you describe best in show? Uh, yeah, it's about right, people right. who go to a dog show. It's like, yeah, that's right. not what yeah, it basically, is. Basically, like, right. that's yeah. so, where it's set, but not really what it's about. Yeah. And, yeah. and great. Final Taps plot, about a rock band. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Enough said. <laughs> and, and, uh, Greywood's plot's especially hard because in my head, like that first moment that you see Doug Greywood's, it's so off. Like he, with his accent and with everything mm-hmm. else. And it was, I loved it so much. It was so hard for me to let go of the fact that I need to let people know who Doug is. So I've, I've, I've learned to do that. And you hear more of Doug in this new trailer that I posted. And there's yeah, a little bit more the about the movie. More, yeah, about the, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, as much just, as you want to like leave something to the element of surprise, it's like you need to. <laughs> me personally, I like to go into a movie with like not knowing nothing about it, but I I know right, right. I'm also in the minority, and most people need to know a little bit of something before it's, they watch something. Especially with an independent movie like this, no one's just going to go right. hunt it down. Like no one's going to be excited to see this without knowing that what they're about to see, and um, and I realize like watching it with an audience, even if I told them in advance. Like everyone that went to the screening at Twin Cities Film Festival knew what it was. Like even Mm -hmm. the spoilery things that happen in it, they knew all that. And yet it almost made it harder for them to watch or like more surprising because they're like on this journey with the characters and they just, I I think they go, oh, this isn't what he was saying. He's throwing, he's blowing it way out of proportion. (laughs) And like when it's such a strange, weird movie that they, you just, you have to see it to to get it. And so I don't feel like spoiling it is actually really possible. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can spoil plot points, but you gotta, you gotta see it to to really get it. Get it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And uh, Daniel, I love how calm you are in the movie. I think that's more unsettling. Oh, thanks. Than, well, obviously, I just said more unsettling than what you do, but that's probably not accurate. But, but sure, but it, right, right. But but yeah, it is. Uh, I just like the very the calmness. Thank, yeah, thank you. I you know that was a something we had talked about too. And just like so, comparing, I got a question at one of the the screenings, like how difficult it was for me to do Father Gill for The Good Exorcist, who's like this crazy eccentric priest, and to do Doug Raywoods, who's like this calm, but also kind of kooky madman, you know, without saying too much. Um, and it really didn't feel too different personally, because I, you know, Josh and I just like to do characters that really like, believe like have these strong wills and these strong convictions and what they're doing. And so, so much of those characters both like are cut from the same cloth, but it was more like two sides of the same coin where whenever I was doing a scene as father Gill, as this priest that you're supposed to relate to, it's like, okay, I'm going to try to do like be warm and like a little strange, but also like, I don't know, some mystery behind it. 
and then whereas Doug was like, <laughs> just let's do like all mystery, but like this weird calmness to it. And, but also like, like also keep them warm. Like, you know, you still kind of want to like the guy the whole way through. Otherwise, you know, what's the point, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We just were like, had a lot of fun playing around with both like dynamics of, of these characters. And uh, yeah, I, I intentionally try to stay calm and not blink a whole lot. That was one of my favorite things is Daniel would be doing a take and all of a sudden he would like stop. He'd be like, oh, I got to do it again. And I'm like, what? That was a great take. He's like, no, I blinked. I'm I like, bl Dude, <laughs> you can blink once in the movie. But Eddie does, he does have some of those. But my favorite moments, I think the reason Doug works so well to me and why I love that character so much is he can say the creepiest thing and then immediately follow it up with like, the goofiest thing mm -hmm. so it's like right. and that's and that's daniel just like improvising stuff the right. goofy stuff is a lot of times daniel just like being silly or being whatever and it worked right. into the character really well because of the fact that like at any other movie they would have made this guy a total creep like they mm -hmm. just it's really yeah. tough to to have that blend um but we were we were like let's try it i mean worst case scenario we, we edit the movie so he is a creep the whole time and right, we get right. rid of a lot of those but, lines plus but they I just worked yeah if there's something about him that's likable on some level too it's like it makes more sense that these guys would trust him at all even though there's right, clearly something right. a little bit off but he seems yeah. like a, a good guy at the same time it's like one yeah. of my favorite lines was daniel's i think it was maybe was it improvised or not i don't remember if it was improvised but that line where you're like have um have you boys ever seen a moose before? Oh, it's majestic. No. It's majestic. And, and, Keith, and, and Keith's in the background just staring at him like, what the hell? Like, I love that line so much because it's so like, it's not creepy. He says, have you ever seen a moose before? They're majestic. Like, that's not a creepy thing to right, say. Right. But his yeah. like passion behind it is creepy. Uh -huh. I don't know. Yeah. It's this beautiful yeah. blend. Yeah. I have not seen a moose before in person, by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. I heard yeah, the other They're majestic. Yeah. <laughs> They're majestic. Yeah. yeah. The, it, go on, it was sorry. fun. Oh, no. Yeah. I, was just, I, I think that was in the script, but I just, we were, at that point, I was so honed in. I'm like, and this is the way he would deliver it. You know, yeah. just so like charming but also alarming <laughs> or like that daniel's got that line where he goes um i say yeah we had a few drinks or we had a couple drinks and he's like a few looks like a fucking six pack and that line just like kills me because man, that was daniel just being an idiot like that was not written that was just that was, daniel yeah. it, it wasn't even like supposed to be filmed like that was me just rolling on random stuff and right it has gotten a laugh at every screening. It always works for people. And I, it's, oh, I love that line. I had, there was a dude at South Texas Underground who came up to me afterwards. He's like, ah, a fucking six pack. He loved it so much. I was like, yes, I knew it should stay. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm learning to love it. But with South Texas Underground Film Festival is a, a great, and I'm not just, not just because I have the shirt on, but it's a, it was a great festival, one of my favorites. And, uh, yeah, and people go. put on are amazing, the, the Perez family. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. And they curate the movies really well. They put mm -hmm. uh, like they put your movie before mine. They played a couple shorts that all fit like really well with mm -hmm. Greywood's plot. And uh, yeah, it was it was super fun. Yeah. How about the title Greywood's plot? Because it could be like the plot of land or this is, you know, Doug Greywood's plot. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I guess that was the intent when I when I wrote that name originally. Yeah. I the name came pretty much before anything. 
writing. Like I started right, writing yeah. my note note cards out because what I, how I write a script is I take forty note cards or I take fifty note cards. I get a, like a pack of fifty, and I have to fill each of them with a scene. So I start just writing scenes where I'm like, okay, I know I want a scene where uh, Dom and Miles are see a spider monster on the ground and they don't know what it is. So I write that scene out and I put that in act two somewhere. And then I write, okay, I know I want um, a surgery scene. So I write that note card and I put it somewhere. And then I slowly just sort of like try to piece these scenes I want to do together. And like, how would this flow? How would the whole thing come together as a bigger picture? What do we need to see to know the full story and what is unnecessary? Like, what can I cut out? So then I start removing note cards, putting stuff away. But my first note card, I remember writing, I wrote Greywood's plot and I put a picture of a black widow spider on it. Mm-hmm. And because the original intent was uh, um, the monster was going to be a Spider-Man and the um, and spider uh, fear of spiders like arachnophobia was going to play a big part of the movie. Like one of my themes was originally fear of spider, like fear in general, but especially fear of, of stupid little things like things that don't really matter that much or aren't really something you you can do have much control over. Um, and so that that card got written first. So yeah, great. I, I assume, I honestly don't remember. I assume my idea was that like we have a plot yeah. of land. I knew it was all going to take place on one plot of land, but also this is his plot, his scheme, like his idea. Yeah. That um, was totally the, from the jump. And I think we were like, it, we wrote it down and we were probably going to change it. And then we didn't. And I think I, we initially didn't have Greywoods. Mike, Doug wasn't in the movie as much as he is. No, now. very little, very, so, very little. I think that also that that title was supposed to be there just to let people know, like, you know, it's kind of his movie, even though you don't, you know, he's always in the shadows. He's always around. Um, I was, yeah, I I was supposed to come in a little bit earlier and like plant this seed of doubt between the friends and then kind of disappear. Yes, that's right. And then sort of like you would kind of see me working behind the scenes and then we just kind of, it just made more sense to have me more prominent. And so, yeah, but that was the, it definitely, that was the point of the plot, the, the name of the title. And I totally forgot <laughs> this, but there was originally a scene that I had in the note cards that I still think would have been a fantastic scene if it would have worked itself in some way. But I, from the beginning, I knew I wanted home on the range to be in it. I, for some reason, I just had some connection with that song at the time and it's always stuck and it's stuck in the movie. Like Scarlet did a version of home on the range that it plays at the beginning of the movie and at the end that I really, really love. But, um, uh, originally Home in the Rage was in the movie as a song that Doug comes out to the fire while they're having a campfire and plays oh, right. Home on the Range or <laughs> oh, really? he brings out a guitar and then and then we sing Home on the Range together and that would have been a really awesome creepy or like yeah. awkwardly fun scene if Doug and Miles and Dom were all si- sitting around singing Home on the Range by the fire but it just didn't it didn't make sense in the movie when all was said and done so yeah, it got yeah. it, that yeah. got cut yeah would you ever want to revisit the character Oh my God! Yes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my God! It's, <laughs> uh, without spoiling too much, it's only the first half of the Frankenstein story. We need the second yeah. half of the Frankenstein. Like, my dream is to be able to do the second half when the when the townspeople find out about Greywoods and right. his plot. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. You need people with torches. Trying and, to right. Chase, uh, <laughs> yeah, we do. We, we need exactly. the torch. We yeah. need the torches, and that's uh, what what. What is the like Josh and Dan Flush Studios version of people with torches? Like I'm, I want to see that movie. So uh-huh. yeah, I, I think we, I think without spoiling, like this movie ends. It's a little more of a of a 
full ending. Like it, it ends the story, but we're always like messing around with what, you know, what are these characters going to do next, whether it's a uh, good exorcist or, you know, this one or whatever else we're doing. We're always like looking for like a backdoor reason to revisit everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the idea that like the end of the movie isn't the end of the story. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, even if we never go back to Grey Woods, I like the fact that it, it you know, you, so you can take away from it what you want. And a lot of, I like asking people that after they watch it, like, what do you think happens next? And hearing right. their yeah. <laughs> responses is amazing. Um, and that's me just trying to come up with ideas because I got nothing. No, I do. I, <laughs> but, oh, that's a good well, one. We, we, had a, we, yeah. even, we even had a name. We, we were thinking about calling it Greywood's Providence, which I thought was a great right, yeah. name. Yep. Yeah, we definitely are always kicking around. But what if they do this? Or what if we go and do that? And yeah, yeah I, I, I think it'll, you'll definitely see them again in some capacity, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, as are, well as Father Gill. I mean, I would, right, I would right. be shocked if we... I mean, I'm working on comics right now. You, also say, so, you, you mentioned comics on, the, on Facebook, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have comics coming out. Um, like They're just mini adventures of Father Gill pre the good exorcist but i've been writing the hell out of uh the sequel which is called father gill and the daughters of lilith and i there's two scenes in that script that are by far my favorite things i've ever written like i like seriously (laughs) love them and like i if i don't make them i will be so upset because just part of the like one of the things for me personally is i make these movies just so i can watch them like i really do like <laughs> to to watch these movies and it's uh-huh. fun for me to see especially like Greywoods is a little weird because i'm in it so watching myself is a little bit like oh josh right, right. but like watching yeah. dan and keith act in stuff it just it kills me like i love it and strauss strauss the guy who was like my uh ad who has helped us with every, everything on the movie he he's the fly man that they yeah. almost hit with the car and mm-hmm. we call him i think in the in the uh credits he's credited as igor yeah think, he's our but, igor <laughs> yeah in fact there was a line originally where you call him igor but i cut that right, out because yeah. i was like man that's too on the nose we went too far we went too far <laughs> reel it back <laughs> so are you guys working on anything currently i don't know yeah. if it's even possible i guess i am i'm filming yeah, yeah. a movie called scumbag by myself in my oh, basement wow. and um it was an idea i'm in that my I basement had. right now but yeah I'm, I'm, me too actually i'm in my basement as well I also am in my basement. Are you seriously? We're all in yeah, our yeah, basements. Yeah, yeah. Man. We're no, this, is, this, is my, this is my main level decor. Uh, well, I didn't <laughs> this know is I, my living room. That is no, your basement. I, I can't tell that. I haven't really been in your upstairs rooms before very much, so I don't know. And oh, it yeah. changes stuff so often that I never really know. I know. We're always remodeling something. Um, <laughs> But the... Uh, yeah, so I'm working on this movie. I had this idea while I was on Rebel Without a Crew. I was like, okay, it's called Rebel Without a Crew, but in reality... You have a crew. Your cast becomes your crew. People help out. Like it's you're not crewless. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what would it actually be like to be completely crewless, <laughs> right. completely by yourself? So last uh, September, I think it was last September, I finally decided to write the idea, and I wrote this script called Scumbag. That's all about a guy who's in a bunker. It's like my Omega Man, basically. Um, and so I started writing this, or Last Man on Earth, whatever. So. I started writing this idea or I wrote this idea and I started filming it. I actually grew my fingernails out for like almost a year and my hair out for like six months Uh and filmed the first scene where he, he, I like clip my nails and stuff like that. I wear a gas mask through the whole movie. So I, I 
started filming this and then I'm like, you know what? I'll send it to Daniel. I mean, I, I don't want feedback, but I just need to put it out there. I need to just at right. least get a response because uh, I'm doing this in a total bubble of myself and it's really, really hard to not get any feedback at all. So I sent it to Daniel and then he's like, dude, we should do this bigger. Like we should do this. This script is, this script is interesting. It's good. Yeah. It's got something to it. I say we go bold with it and mm. try to get it done. And we met for dinner one or at lunch one day. Yeah, it was uh-huh. like it was like it was like brunch, and then we ended up having like twelve drinks. Right. And it turned into dinner. <laughs> it turned into dinner, and yeah. But it, it was we talked about Scumbag and how we should make this, we should do this movie. And I was like, okay, you know what? Oof, I grew my nails out all this time. I did all this work, but you know what? You're right. It's a good script. Let's let's do it and do it right. And then COVID hit, and literally there are like jokes that are things that are happening there are toilet say, paper just what jokes. you were talking about <laughs> like it's Dude, very you know, it's yeah topical super topical and it's but it's also from a place where it's not from someone writing retrospectively so it's mm-hmm. not like there's going to be a hundred movies that come out about covid in the next six months like yeah, there's already some out now yeah there's right, people right. who are in their basements making movies as well but they're doing it like introspectively or like they're doing it right in the moment they're like writing what they're feeling right now i was writing this weird idea of what i thought this kind of thing would be like Mm -hmm. you know way bigger and way different and there's it's me so there's like mutants and things but it's like just it's a it's we're early in the pandemic the mutants are becoming early but there's like (laughs) there's toilet paper jokes there's jokes about like the 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 masks that you have you know like the typical paper mask like there's stuff like that that's just felt so uh, on point with what's happening. And, and I, Daniel and I both agreed that I should just make this as is right now and then put it out. And if we want to do a big budget version, if we want to do the like, you know, Desperado to El Mariachi, Evil <laughs> right, Dead 2 right. to Evil Dead, right, that right. sort of thing, we can go right. back and we can do a budget version. We could find an actual actor who isn't me in a gas mask. We could do it a little different and, and make it make it better. But I kind of felt like I had to do it while I'm here, while I'm stuck, might as well. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on right now. And then Daniel and I are just writing the hell out of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because I think it's definitely more, you know, like Josh spoke to, it's not like a cash grab. It's not like, just trying yeah. to be topical. I've seen relevant. a few that are like, mm. right, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more, it's more of a, like a catharsis of just the isolation of being a creative and doing stuff on your own. And then, and that self doubt and that fear. And it just happens to work itself into a narrative of actual self isolation. So um, yeah. I think, I think I'm excited cause it's not, it's yeah, it's not pandery. It's not like trying to be exploitative mm-hmm. or, or whatever. It's, it's really sincere and it's, yeah, there's going to be a lot of parallels obviously cause this has changed all of our lives, but yeah. I think it's a good time to do it. And I think it's um, I think we'll have something to say rather than just be something that's out there you know mm-hmm. yeah I, and and the, the truth is it, it had something to say before any of this happened and that's why like right. everyone is going to have something to say about this is only thinking about well what do people want me to say mm-hmm. about this situation mine is not right, about right. this situation at all it's about yeah. isolation and depression and loneliness and self like that that, that self-doubt that one gets when they're left with their thoughts um mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so, I mean, it's also got fucking scenes of me pooping and stuff like that. So it, it is. I'm it sold. Is. So, yeah. <laughs> Taste, tastefully done. Tastefully done. Yeah. Tasteful poop. I, Shut I, up I, and take my money, I, sir. So I had actually 
made my basement into a bunker before yeah. COVID happened. <laughs> and like this was, cause it was in November. I did it before the week before thanks or no, two weeks before Thanksgiving, I yep. filmed the first sequence. So my basement is still a bunker cause I, I didn't film for a while and now I'm going back to it. But I have this, like there's a, in the movie, he has this like, uh, air compression thing that that he can launch stuff out of his toilet outside so if he shits in his basement he can launch it out so (laughs) my family calls it the poop hole so i have a poop hole on my wall (laughs) dad's poop hole yeah really came in handy Uh, (laughs) yeah we've just been writing uh working on yeah comics um yeah Yeah, we i mean we have have some scripts (laughs) it's crazy we have so many like now that we've got these sort of Greywoods wasn't a passion project. That was a project that we were like, let's just go do this thing. And yeah. The Good Exorcist was like, okay, we got to do this now. Let's just get something done. Now mm-hmm. we have like these 20 ideas we've talked about oh, since we were, you know, five years old. Yeah, we have yeah. all of those ideas built up that we're like, well, now we can do them. Now we know what we're doing. Let's try mm-hmm. to do that movie or let's try to do this other thing. So we have all of these like sort of concepts built up or even like not necessarily an idea we talked about, but we grew up loving Goosebumps books and like that sort of, mild horror like that fun horror yeah yeah. and so you know one of our ideas is this movie called uh, house that trembles in the night and that idea you know is something that is more of a passion project based on the fact that or something I'm, i'm really like excited about because it is all of our years of friendship and making films and all of this other stuff kind of like coming together into a proper horror movie yeah that sounds pretty cool so we'll see yeah that one's like sort of a family drama comedy but then with like legit scares and some weird stuff kind of poltergeisty yeah yeah Yeah. so we got that and um some like we don't really have uh too much of that anymore it's either like more childish where like a lot of that stuff in the 80s like a kid could watch it but it was still like a a legit horror movie it just wasn't like really graphic right and that's kind of the line yeah we we, we i don't think like a lot of kids want to watch stuff that's kiddish you know, no, like, they do right. not. Kid, like, no, no way. I showed my... Of, you know, right. you could watch sh- as a kid, but it wasn't like a kiddish movie. No, right. I watched E.T. with my son the other day thinking like, man, I don't know if this is going to work because it is so like slow compared to what's coming out now. It's right. so character driven and there are these weird, scary moments. And my kid was like enthralled and even better than that. I actually, when Fred Willard died a couple weeks ago, last week, um, I decided to watch Best in Show and that's why best in show came up in my head but i decided to watch best in show and max was sitting next to me while i watched it he was like dad can i stay up and watch the movie with you i was like ah screw it why not i'll let him watch it he'll fall asleep three minutes into this movie it's best in show it was he he liked it more than star wars he loved it he like kids don't want to be pandered to they don't want to be talked down to and he like he's like kind of the proof of that that i don't think they do and us growing up we loved that sort of like poltergeist gremlins you know tremors critters like all of that stuff yeah, was yeah. our jam because we we liked and then that's sort of what we're trying to do it doesn't mm-hmm. come out very often now so hopefully you know we can make those kind of movies again and because we're making them low budget doing them ourselves and kind of not placating to you know how are we going to sell it that's the thing that we get all the time is like hey we love gray woods we don't want to we don't want to distribute it because we don't know how we're going to sell it right. like, like if you guys have an idea like i've literally had distributor distributors say okay if you have a solid plan of how to sell this, we'll take it. And I'm like, well, if I had a solid plan of how to you do it, need I would be asking you to take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the that's the circular reasoning that we keep running into. Um, and yeah, we're just uh, the next plan. You know, once this kind of dies down, does what it does, um, and after Scumbag, we're just going to try to get a little bit more money for the next one, just to like keep doing this. Like, and we're not trying to make a a lot of money. We're just trying to sustain what we got going and keep yeah. this like ecosystem alive. You said you know your tr- three dollars. That's it. You know, I, a lot of people just, like you said, don't share the, the link and everything. And it's like $3 to watch a movie is, you know, everyone can should be able to afford that. Right. But yeah. uh, but if you do, like, you know, just rip that off and stuff, like, you know, people aren't going to be able to make things. And that's, right, right. I, and, and that's the thing is, like, everyone looks at it as, like, the big system. And, yeah, the big system, you rip them off, they can continue to make stuff, whatever. But that's not, that, that's not who you're harming. You're really harming the, the smaller people who are trying to make movies. And mm-hmm. when Daniel says he, we want to get some money for the, this next movie or to do a project where we actually have a budget. <laughs> well, I, I figure not, like, $5 million. Or he, yeah. he, he, he's, he's comparing that to the $3,000 we made right, Grey right. was for yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. the $7,000 of Robert Rodriguez's money we made <laughs> The yeah. Good Exorcist for. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Dan has to remodel his basement here. Come on. <laughs> Anything. $5 million, I'll take it. What am I going to say no to $5 million right. for Grey? Yeah, someone's about to send it. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, oh, he only wants ten grand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he'll do it for ten k. Okay, perfect. Well, and that's, Let that's me just funny. rip this one up. Yeah, that's the funny thing is, is that's kind of what happens is when you do make the no-budget movies, then you get people going like, "Oh yeah, man! Yeah, I'll, you I'll made it for 20, this. Why I'll do give you twenty more? grand to yeah. make my movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, dude, we should make this. I have the script. Can you do it for twenty grand? It's like, well, no, but you don't understand. Like, I wrote around things we had. Like, I can't do your space odyssey. <laughs> odyssey. Uh, <laughs> You're the no budget kid. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it's become, and that's fine. But I'm only going to tell my stories if I'm the no budget kid, and we're just only going to put them out once every five yeah. years. Like, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I have some friends who like uh, they'll have an idea for and they'll need like 150,000 or so, and then they'll never make anything because you know and it's just like and other people have told them like you could do this for you know 20 or whatever yeah. or make something else but it's uh, that's why I was saying earlier when you if you just make something you know it could lead to something else or you just may never have anything that you ever made and then yeah it's like back like oh I should have made something no, that's the, the the funny thing is the good exorcist and Greywood's plot are that something else for us. They literally right, right. are that thing where it's like, let's just make this and see what happens. And then they've turned into movies that people actually yeah, enjoy. I, I, I really enjoy both of them or else I wouldn't have you guys here. Uh, yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. We appreciate it a lot. And, 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 and speaking to those people, it's like, you really just have to do it. And it's, I know that's such cliched advice, but I think even more yeah. so, more so do it just to do it. I think you gotta like, get the film that's in your head out of there. Like you got to shoot it and realize like both of these movies, uh, good exorcist and gray woods, you know, looked way different up here and it yeah. looked different for me than it looked for Josh. And, but once we were on set, once the camera's rolling, once you're doing it, you're like, Oh, okay. I guess we have to now take whatever this is and then pivot, you know, divert our attention to a diff- different angle, a different character, like, find it in there because you know you're just going to live with that movie for the rest of your life if you don't move with it and Mm -hmm. it's it's going to look good it's going to sound good it's going to be whatever but it's not going to be reality you know so Mm -hmm. i think for us i i I think the most fun we have is just 
taking our batshit insane ideas and actually putting them onto, you know, film or digital or whatever. And they're like, Oh wow. Okay. This is, this, this is what we got. Let's, uh, yeah. let's make a film out of this. <laughs> yeah, it's, and that's the wild thing. I think a lot of people have this idea that they think is a good idea and they're very excited yeah. about their good idea and they're very excited to show people their good idea. And mm-hmm. th- it's going to be amazing. And Daniel and I are the opposite where we're like, what's the stupidest <laughs> idea we have? Let's do that. And then when someone likes it, we're like, really? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess it, it wasn't just for us after all. I, I, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that shows in the movies that we're making them for ourselves, but it also shows to the distributors because they're just like, yeah, you guys made a movie for you. You made a movie for you. Nobody and, wants it. Yeah, you made you for you and anyone who can maybe, who maybe will see it, but I, we don't know how to get them to see it. Like that's so, that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, that's, it's so true as cliche as it is. Like it is, you just have to go make that thing that you, you just popped in your brain one day and don't be sacred about it. Just go make it and do it. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'll say too, like, I think the collective consciousness with the internet and with life, like your really good idea is that no one's ever done is going to be done in six months oh, to yeah. a year. So yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. be the first because or it's already been done. You're not aware yeah, of it. But yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, or, or it, like a lot of people try to make the movie that they really like mm-hmm. and they're never going to make the movie that they like that they already enjoyed. They're making their thing of that. And when they just try to copy it, it doesn't turn into that new thing. And like, right. so for me, it's like looking at movies that I think I could improve on or things I think I could do better. That's why I love watching stuff. And it's, this isn't like a negative on the movies, but like, I love movies like last night I watched the brain that wouldn't die. And uh, yeah, it's got it. It's a cheesy, campy old movie, but there's like this heart to it that to me is like inspiring. And that that's the kind of movie that made me want to watch make Greywoods mm-hmm. or like, you know, you could compare it. You can compare Greywoods to Tusk. And a lot of people do. And I, I, I love that because it really was inspired by Tusk. Like tu- I watch Tusk and I'm like, what's my version of that kind of a Frankenstein monster movie? Like, um, you know, or Island of Dr. Moreau. We get that a lot too, where it's like, oh, it's kind of yeah, Island of Dr. Moreau. I was going to bring that up, but I don't want to spoil anything. No, I mean, there's, there's definitely an element of that in there and yeah. it's, it, it's intentional. Like yeah. I, there was a movie called uh, Terror is a Man that I really loved when, like I saw it on cable when I was growing up and it, it definitely influenced Greywood's plot in a huge way, not necessarily even intentionally because I hadn't even thought about the movie mm-hmm. for years. And then... I was doing research on Island Dr. Moreau as I was like trying to think about the sequel um, for what Greywood's plot would be or for what Greywood's Providence would be. And I'm like, Oh my God, the terror is a man, which was based on Island of Dr. Moreau. And I'm like, this, this is one of the movies or like I messaged, this is a weird reference, but I messaged Daniel one day where I'm like, Oh man, there, there's a bat boy in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. And (laughs) there's, there's a moment in Greywood's plot that I realized that's, it's it's a very weird subconscious thing that you know it's not stealing but you take from things that you see that you like and in a bugs bunny cartoon there was this imagery that was always interesting to me as a kid it was one of my favorite bugs bunny cartoons and it was interesting and then it kind of weaseled its way into the back of my brain and came out in graywood's plot in a way yeah (laughs) and i think i think that's you know doing your version of stuff and improving on something that you think could be better or you think you could do in a different way that's kind of what I think a lot of people should be doing instead of watching something and being like, you know what? I like star Wars. I'm going to do my star Wars. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll do it better. But, yeah. I mean, really with horror, with horror movie, we see it all right. the time. Everyone is trying to make the next Friday, the 13th or the next, you know, whatever. And it, 
for me, sometimes they're, they're great. They're good. Sometimes they're even great, Mm -hmm. but it becomes kind of forgettable in my brain because it's just, you know, rehashing the same concept. I get tons of screeners for the show, you know, uh, uh, what you're saying earlier is like, uh, if I see something, even if it's not necessarily great, but it seems like either they, they had fun doing it or they're doing something they really want to do. Uh, like I'll enjoy it on some level, but if you see, I see something that's just clearly like, just like like the same movie I've seen a million times and they're just making something just so they have something out and they think someone will buy it. And that's, right. to me, that's like the, the most boring thing to watch. That is exactly. Yeah, and, or when something, something is low budget, but it, it's, it's Even trying it's technically to... well made on some level. Exactly. That's yeah. what, like if it's really technically well made, sometimes I get pulled out of it even more. Cause I'm just like, man, they really wanted this to look good. Like, that's right. it. They wanted they to do the work. Else into it. Yeah, yeah. They wanted to do the work. They didn't want to do any of the fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's sometimes too. I'm like, well, if they would have gave the money or the like the technical equipment to some this other movie that I like so much better just because it's interesting yeah. and the people like, you know, you'd have, you'd have something really cool, but... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's that is mo- part of it. I mean, even doing uh, low-budget indie films, you know, when you get people that are technically savvy and are there to do their job, you know, you can quickly lose that that heart and that, like, excitement. And that's sort of why we've been doing it with, you know, a crew of four, like, you know, with nobody <laughs> to keep to keep ourselves sane and to keep the work, like, authentic, you know? Mm-hmm. And because our ideas are so stupid, we don't want to waste anyone's time. <laughs> that's part of it, too. But we also, like, embrace what it is. Like, we know from the beginning, like, this movie yeah. is not going to look like those other movies. So let's just own it. Let's own that, yeah. that camp and that cheese. And f- for us personally... So that we don't have to watch the movie a million times and go, oh, God, that didn't look good. Like, we <laughs> right, can watch right. it and go, like, that looks amazing for being <laughs> Keith Radical and Nate Strauss filming, you know, me on a table. Like, it, it's these two dudes have never run a camera no, before think, in their life. I think there's a lot of stuff that's great in Greywood's Flood. I, I think the monsters uh, are awesome in it. And I'm actually surprised you yeah. pulled a lot of those off for same <laughs> yeah all Thank of us are. Like, it. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. was, it's it's a it's also like a lot of people get to that point where after they're done filming and after they're done like putting in you know a hundred hours of work they don't want to put in that last 100 hours and in reality that's just what it boiled down to was we did i mean we the, the scene i don't know how i don't spoil this but the, the dinner <laughs> the dinner scene at the end of the movie mm-hmm. um, right yeah we filmed that two weeks before the movie was due to the first film festival it had to go to that scene yeah. wasn't written we, and way after everything else had been filmed like I mean, months after months last... and months after yeah, yeah. and we, well, watched we knew the movie. we needed it yeah yeah we watched the movie and i wrote it and i sent it to daniel and i was like hey man this scene would be good, right? And he read it and he was like, yeah, we got to go do this. We can use the basement at the place I work. And we just went and filmed yeah. it there. Like we just <laughs> found the spot, went and filmed it one like Saturday afternoon or something like that. We, we just got it done. And that, you know, a lot of people won't do that. And I think that's, that's kind of sad. I think if you really, you got to really love your movie that much that you're willing to lose a Saturday after you were supposed to be done to, to make the movie better. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, May thirty first, you're going to be able, people can see Greywood's plot. So what, what's the website yeah. to uh, to go there and, and get the information and get your it's, tickets? It's at joshstifter.com right now. That's the easiest place for me to make sure that it's up to date and and working and everything. So it's just on my personal website. Um, 
It's actually, you go to joshstifter.com slash shop if you want to go directly to where it's at. Um, and yeah, you just have to buy the ticket and I put your email in. I mean, I'll get an email when you do it and I'll just email it to you, email a link to, the, to everyone when the, uh, the day on May 31st in the morning at like 8 a.m. I'll send it out because that's when I'm going to have the pre-show go live. And all day you can watch behind the scenes of the good exorcist and Greywood's plot. I've made like a 12 hour video of like all these different clips. I mean, it, it loops at times, so it's not, it's not all original new content. I made 12 hours of brand new content. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it, and I'll hop on at certain spots and just kind of chat with people and whatever. So, um, we'll kind of make a fun Greywood's day of it. And then at the end, Daniel and I'll hop on a Q and a and answer people's questions. That's really cool. That's a good time. And, yeah, and if anyone is interested after listening to this, The Good Exorcist is available right now on Troma Now and Amazon Prime. Yeah. yeah. And should be on 2B TV soon. I, oh, really? Yeah. We've I'm been accepted. So. I am yeah. too, and I was really excited, but it, it, 2B takes a while to get back to us. And actually, Robert's movie Red 11 is going to be on 2B as well. Oh, I've so heard I was a lot like, about it. So. Yeah. Um, so, when I was at Stuff, I remember people were talking about it. Yeah, we were oh, trying yeah. to get we were trying to actually get it in stuff and it just because of the 2B situation I think and whatever it just didn't work out. But um but yeah, the, the uh, it'll be up on 2B TV hopefully soon. It was accepted. I just I don't have the dates for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. This was great. I'm glad you guys uh, both were here. And I assume I yeah. heard this is the first time you guys both did a, a podcast or whatever. This is, <laughs> yeah, this, I think this is so, exactly right? Together, so. I think so, yeah. I'm trying to think of a podcast we've done together outside of like you know, just doing podcasts together. So this is exciting. It's a, it was a good one for us to be on together. I'm glad you brought yeah. it up. Cause I never would have thought of that. Like I never would have been like, we should be on one together <laughs> in my head. I'd be like, we're just going to talk over each other the whole time or have inside jokes that no one's going to get. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. yeah I appreciate I, this. I yeah. Very good. And I love the elite shirt. Cause Thank uh, you. Yes, I'm going to yes. be watching that myself here pretty soon. Yes. After this, it's wrestling time. It is. I'm a big wrestling fan. So, uh, just real quick, I guess. Uh, uh, what any predictions or favorite wrestlers in AEW? God, you know, uh, no. I'm just excited for the show, man. I they, I, I was at the last one so in Chicago. Well. It's weird oh, really? to, to think like that was just a couple months ago. How much oh, how right? different uh, right? the world is right now. Yeah, so, true. Uh, they're still killing it though, even with the empty shows. And I, you know, I yeah. think the characters, the thing that they have, I think over WWE is just the characters it's the same thing that WWE had with the attitude era. It's, it's characters, not stories. I honestly don't care who wins because they're both, yeah. everyone is entertaining to watch. And whereas WWE just like writes people into these corners that are just, it's. And the, their empty arena fun. shows are like night and day. Uh, I can't watch. I can't, yeah, I can't watch. I did money in the bank and I did WrestleMania and, yeah, but I can't do the weekly. I can't do I, the weekly shows. The exact same boat. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. but double or nothing i'm stoked i honestly you know i don't even care uh i just ready for some good some good yeah. matches i'm an orange cassidy fan but yeah i oh. like pretty much everyone on the show yeah. Yeah. so is my wife that's that's what makes it fun is like aew is just fun to watch it is and it's a good time my wife just accidentally watched it and it's like is all about orange cassidy now all about uh best friends in general you know like mm-hmm. they just have they just do fun stuff and so yeah i'm yeah. stoked Cool, Josh. Are you a wrestling fan at all? <laughs> I am not. No, you're out of <laughs> that's here. What I, that's what I am. No, <laughs> no, no I, you, he was just waiting to get a word in. Yeah, <laughs> hold on. Let me tell you about Orange Custard. I uh, <laughs> Orange Custard's a man. <laughs> Orange Custard. Uh, 
Uh, the the funny thing is, Daniel. I used to watch Daniel and I watched wrestling like religiously when we were kids, and yeah. like yeah, it was a yeah. huge. It was a huge part of, you know, my learning to to why I love characters. Honestly, like like Daniel said in the Attitude Era when we were watching it, it was like all about these cool characters, and I was so yeah. into them. And then when it started to become story based, I just yeah, I just didn't. There was it got too weird for a while. Like right as the Attitude Era was kind of fizzling out, and like right. got, I just got out of it, and. I still love, I mean, like Daniel and I do wrestling events. Daniel does uh, announcing yeah, yeah. for these wrestling, oh, really? like local cool. wrestling events. Oh, yeah, and I, yeah. and I film mm-hmm. and we've done, we've done only done two of them so far, but they're hopefully there's more and they're super fun. I yeah. love, I love wrestling. I love the concept, but I don't watch. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've watched it since I was a kid, but I, a lot of my friends are the same way. They, they either watched during like the eighties, you know, uh, the Hogan era or they got, then they got back into it in the attitude era. Then they, then they don't watch it right right yeah i missed all the ruthless aggression stuff i came back i came back to wwe right before wrestlemania 30 so right when daniel bryan was like mm-hmm. becoming this larger than life character and that was a great time to return but it's it's oof, we've come a long way since then <laughs> <Again>. yeah, and, <laughs> yeah and the funny thing was is at that time i was so when daniel started watching again i think it was like i don't know probably like just pre Grey Woods or maybe like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I got really into filmmaking for a while. And then I was right. like, there was a point like a couple, like a year or maybe a year and a half ago where I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to get into wrestling. I, I need <laughs> something. I don't watch anything for entertainment anymore. I need something. So I'm like, Hey Daniel, what, like, what should I be watching for wrestling? He's like, Oh, nothing. <laughs> like it was like right at the time where it got bad. And he, he's yeah, like, nah, don't, I, I, don't worry about it. Don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> it was like WrestleMania 30 to WrestleMania, like 32. And then once, <laughs> yeah. once it was like the Roman Reigns show and they just didn't know what they were doing. I'm like, eh, you know, you're not missing anything. Yeah. I'm right with you. So yeah. But AEW, I enjoy a lot. So yeah, I'm a where huge you, fan. Where do you watch AEW? I don't know. This is how TNT little I know. On ENT. And then the papers is on. Uh, I'm not sure the it's a uh, uh, it's a Bleacher Report live. There you go. Yeah, which yeah, you've probably never heard of before. I've never. <laughs> and I would, not have, I would not have either until. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm the, the same. Yeah. The face I made was was literally TNT still exists. Uh-huh. Like oh, I yeah, didn't yeah. even know TNT still exists. They love drama, man. Uh, yeah, they, right. <laughs> it's on TNT drama. <laughs> Yeah, that's, got, a, that's got, very fitting for professional wrestling. Yeah, AEW and the new Snor- Snowpiercer uh, television. Oh, series. that's right. Oh, yeah, which was pretty cool. I, watched, I yeah. haven't seen it yet. But I, it's, seen it I, I just watched it last week because it came on after. Uh, after I'm, I'm excited to see it. It looks good. It looks yeah. At first, I was like, "What is this than... weird cartoon?" But it was the yeah. beginning of, of the, <laughs> the Snowpiercer. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, it's got an animated. Uh, yeah, and I was like, "Whoa, this is neat." Yeah. Anyway, check it out. Yeah. So anyway, wrestling fans, check it out. And yeah. uh, and for movie fans, check out Greywood's plot and uh, The Good Exorcist. Yes. Yeah. Right on. Please do. And thanks both <laughs> you guys for doing this. This is the first ever of these that I've done that went live onto Facebook. Oh, yeah. cool. Thank you. This is red. Is it working? Uh, do you know? I, I assume so. Well, oh, let sweet. me check here. People <laughs> probably sent it questions. But Facebook. I tested right. it because I just set this up to do it. And so I tested it earlier just to see if it would work right before we did this. And apparently it was working, but it's like a, yeah. a little bit of like delay. So it's a little oh, hard sure, to follow sure. if like people are leaving um, comments and stuff. Yeah. I'll check after and I'll answer all their, I'll do my own. Right. You guys just go, I'll stay on here and answer everyone's questions. Right. So. Yeah. This is Josh's <laughs> favorite part. <laughs>
<laughs> he, doesn't have, he doesn't have AEW to get no, to. Cool. He's, he loves answering questions. I Jenny love answering. Spain, Jenny Spain from uh, Dead Girl, a uh, horror movie. She says this is very oh. fun. She's oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, awesome. If you're still here. Mariella says Greywood Plot is Josh Stifler's uh, film. It's, that's uh, she runs us. Yes, she's very helpful here. South yeah. Texas Underground Film Festival. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And people saying they can't wait. Sweet. And they have. Te- uh, Oh, she says, I wish Texas had basements. Because that's right. I didn't oh, know that. Yeah. But I guess Texas they yes, don't. they don't. We knew that. We found that out the hard way because we um, oh, yeah. we wrote the scene. Uh, Maria was originally supposed to be in the basement. Her bedroom was supposed to be in the basement in The Good Exorcist. So we had this whole, like, the the part with Stanley telling the, the sock hands penis covering dream <laughs> right. story. That was supposed to be in a basement. And, like everything in that room was in a basement. And then I, I sent in the script and like the first note I got back about the script was, Hey, we don't have basements in Texas. What are you going to do? And I was like, well, change oh, it to not right. being a basement. Yeah, yeah. But, like, <laughs> yeah, I guess we yeah. won't do it in a basement. Yeah. Right. Yeah, somebody, like, somebody told me about Florida too. And that, uh, oh, yeah. the the movie, crawl that came out a little last year, like, People that live in oh, Florida yeah. said that like that couldn't happen because they don't have uh, basements here. Wow, basements. So. It were for me, but yeah. I, I didn't know that they did have basements. I yeah. haven't seen Crawl yet, and I'm really, really excited to see it. I, oh, it's I bad. Really... They don't have basements. It's oh, that's a total farce. <laughs> totally no, it's, throws. It's really good. It's really uh, good. I, really I want to see too. it really bad. It's super good. I don't what watch. was really cool about it is uh, the the two guys that wrote it, uh, the Rasmussen brothers. Uh, we're regulars at Boston Underground Film Festival that I go to every year. Ah, sweet. And so it was oh, really nice. cool that, you know, these two guys, uh, they're there every year, you know, made like, uh, wrote this really big movie. Yeah. That was produced by Sam Raimi. And everyone at, at Buff was really uh, happy for them too, which is good to see. Because sometimes you think yeah. like if someone does well, like. Yeah, you, you get that jealousy jealous, thing. But yeah. everyone's really excited. Fuck those for guys. Making their dreams come true and shit. Yeah, I know, right? Barf. Actually doing stuff. <laughs> right. Everyone always Makes wants people. To... Yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, yes, but overall, I found that uh, the festivals are like that. The yeah, yeah, people are, are cool. <laughs> yeah. And Alex Ramirez also said that Greywood's plot was so sick in the best way. Nice, oh, right a on. Great movie, right talk, on. everyone. Right. <laughs> I it agree. wasn't sick in the worst way. That would be bad, I guess. Right? Yeah, it was sick, and that's what my mom said. I, it's funny. I'm just you know we we did black and like we'll wrap this up, but we did black and white as a choice, and I'm just I'm I didn't realize how visual of a person I am because I just did not view the film to be that off-putting mm-hmm. and then josh started posting colored versions like stills from the movie if there was color i'm like oh yeah this is nasty like oh yeah is, man it's intense we if i honestly <laughs> believe that if we had gone color it would have been and this is just like retrospectively we didn't think about it but if we had gone color with it uh it would have people wouldn't have liked it i think yeah. it would have been too gross because <laughs> it's been a hard the, the, the be a different I, movie i assume yeah like it yeah, would be a very different movie fun in a way i mean it's not necessarily totally yeah. fun but it would be like you said a grosser movie i see and i think it's fun i think the whole mm. movie even i do like, too but because of the fact I that i lived to think in what it a normal person might think yeah, yeah. right exactly <laughs> well that's the best part like when the movie gets disturbing I'm a, I get like giddy. Like I'm like, yes, yes, this is when it's happening. And everyone in the theater, like you could hear the air leave the room when it started to happen at the Twin oh, yeah, Film yeah. Festival. It went from like people laughing and, and like like this this room full of friends and family who were kind of like ta- like giving Daniel and I this pat on the shoulder of like you guys really pulled it off this time. Like this right. is great to like Oh, Dan and Josh. <laughs> then we locked the doors and lowered the yeah. lights even further and just took them down this sinister path of I know, and originally, 
originally there was this concept I had where when it when it goes weird, I we, the movie was oh, gonna yeah. actually like the movie was gonna f- uh, burn out and flicker and and end and cut to white, and I was actually gonna have the lights come up in the theater, and then. <laughs> cut the lights quick and have the have the light on the screen pop on of Greywood starting to do what Greywood's is going to do. Yeah. And that was my concept. And Daniel was Daniel's like, nah, let's not do that. It'll pull people out and and it will um it'll give us more work to do at the screening. It's not worth it. Basically. <laughs> that's true. That, that's, and, that's probably the big part. And yes. but now I'm like, I think it would have like made people like puke. Like I think it would have, I think it would have been too much because I think that would have happened. And then like with what happens after, they would have just been so on edge of their seat, they wouldn't have been able to. They would have left. They would have been like, ah man, I don't know what he's going to do next, and it's too visceral. Like I can't take. Did you know when you were filming it was going to be black and white? Or was that we did on the second time. So the first time we didn't we didn't go into it thinking black and white. Although it was always kind of like. I'm, you know, I'm always willing or open to like, we do weird shit. So it was never like, I'm not doing black and white, but we were filming it in color. And then yeah. um, the second time we filmed, we decided to go black and white. And I actually filmed it in color, but had a black and white monitor that I used. So I was yeah. always seeing it in black and white. Um, and that's why I have the color frames still. And man, I haven't even shown the nastiest ones. Some of them are because those guys just put like these nasty tongue parts and blood all over my face and like the 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 chunkiness of it all plus it was like yeah. 10 degrees outside so it was like freezing to my skin and stuff it's yeah. it, it it's awful like it looks yeah. ter- ugh. but i think daniel you made a good point where because it's black and white it tames it a little bit and because mm-hmm. we made it it tames it even a little bit more and because we right. watch nasty stuff and we're kind of desensitized it even more it doesn't bother us but a lot of people just see what we put on the screen they're not Mm -hmm. even thinking in black and white anymore they're not even thinking and they're just seeing nastiness and it really throws them for a loop and i love that i love that i never thought that would work as well as it did and i'm I'm really proud of the fact that when people watch it they're like (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) like (laughs) it's awesome it's it's gnarly yeah that's real quick too. One last question here is uh, yeah. when you film, uh, so you did the rest of them in black and white. Uh, when you're doing like the blood, um, do you use like a different? So you know, it shows up well in in black and white. Is no, it? we just we just use regular blood. But the thing about black and white, or like I use actual fake blood. blood. Like I buy yeah. it because um, you know we used to do like make our own fake blood or add some stuff to it. Uh, the the stuff that you buy at like a Halloween shop comes out of everything. Like, I mean, okay, yeah. not, not like white clothing it won't come out of, but like if you spill it on the floor, it cleans up. And yeah. that, that's been really important to me as we're like filming stuff in other people's houses that I don't leave stains right. or wreck stuff. Yeah, um, and, you, so, and you always have the same consistency, viscosity, color. You're not yeah. like fucking around with, you know. Mm-hmm. Experimenting you, with a yeah, different Yeah, because we would have, you know, we were really shooting like weeks apart. Like we were getting together when we could. It wasn't like we didn't have... 14 dedicated days like we did with Greywood or with uh, good exorcists. So it was like, okay, we're going to do these scenes this week. And then like seven days later, we're going to meet and do this. So it just, it's easier to keep everything looking the same with, you have a big gallon of, <laughs> yeah. of blood. Yeah. Um, and, but the other thing about black and white is you have so much control over your color correction, like your tonal correction. Mm-hmm. And so um, with this movie, I actually, changed the tone of the red in the actual blood to almost being a green mm-hmm. so there's like this there's it's like a dark green color if you saw like 
my color correction without the black with the saturation up because right, i like right. or with not the saturation the um the i guess the saturation yeah whatever like the the black and white filter yeah, that's over it I guess. yeah yeah so without that it's the the blood is a lot of times like a weird green tone um and that's the my favorite part is when filmmakers they're always like that was really smart of you to do black and white because then you didn't have to color correct it and i'm like i had to color correct it like way more because you have so much control but in black and white if the tone of one shot and the next shot are off it's so much more apparent than in color in color you're still seeing multiple colors you're still like your brain is still able to adjust to the fact that like okay his skin is still you know the tone that his skin is like it's close like it it is it doesn't have to be spot on but with black and white like if i shifted from one scene to the next and the grays were more gray or the skin tones changed too much yeah. it you look like a different person like it totally threw you off so i it took me way longer than the good exorcist like five times longer than the good exorcist yeah anyway it looks great and uh what's it gonna say it was uh there's um oh human centipede 2 they also put out you know it's originally yeah. black and white, but then they put out a color version oh yeah, yeah. and uh, i much prefer the black and white one but it's I, much, even though the first one's mm-hmm. pretty gross anyway but it's, right. it's uh, <laughs> It, I've never seen I've never color. seen the color version of that, but again, yeah, I, I think that it. the I think the black and white is it lends to what the movie is. Like it it I don't know. Like it would just I think it helps it not be quite helps it be a little more tongue in cheek, and that's what I wanted this to be was kind of tongue in cheek as well. Mm-hmm. Or like mm-hmm. I, one of the one of the things I see in movies a lot right now is everyone wants people to forget that they're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Like they want it to be ever since like it was like the Nolan like thing that happened like nolan right. came out with these movies that are these big concept movies but they take themselves very very seriously like his mm-hmm. batmans his you know everything he does is very earnest even though even if it's a silly concept and everyone is doing that now man people take movies so seriously and i wanted to do the opposite with my indie movies like i'm like if i'm gonna yeah. make no budget movies i want people to know i'm making a no budget movie and sit there watching it and going like oh this is a movie yeah we're watching a movie like you can still like the characters but gremlins how many times you get pulled out of the world in gremlins and it still is totally watchable and awesome one of my favorite movies is the burbs uh, yeah and the, the burbs like Say consistently good. Say pull, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's that shot where they see the bones and the camera's just like whipping <laughs> right, zooming right. in and yeah. out and in and out yeah. like it instantly pulls you out but it's amazing like why not yeah. that's the fun of movie making mm-hmm yeah, I recreated that scene on my YouTube page somewhere. Really? Uh, we, we, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Oh, I love that shot. It yeah, down. it's really awesome. Yeah, it's probably not as done as well, but, it, but it's pretty sweet. I, that that shot is really sloppy, so like beautifully sloppy, but it is yeah. awesomely like you could see that they don't have the perfect like zoom going in and out. <laughs> it's like uh, I actually wanted to do one of those shots. I actually did one of those shots in The Good Exorcist, but I ended up cutting it from the movie. Oh, okay. I did that when Daniel, when the teddy bear is underneath the bed and Daniel's sitting on the floor, like with his shirt, his uh, robe open or whatever. I did like a zoom in and zoom out. And I thought it was really funny, but I'm like, this isn't the moment to pull it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) let's just let the teddy bear speak its piece and continue on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very good. And I appreciate you guys both doing this. It's been awesome. Of course. Thank you. We'll do it again sometime. Totally. Agreed. Let's do it. All right. Excellent.
I don't know. Help me. A huge spider just killed my girlfriend. Are you freaking stop? Mommy, who's your daddy? Who's your Uncle Zeke? Up on Spider Mountain, everyone's a freak. If only I could find a way to get down off this rock. The spiders spin their evil webs, the ticking of the clock.